2: If you're near the St. James in the Springfield area, please stop by and say what's up. We've been watching a lot of uh, high school and youth hockey. Just amazing Yep. how much better at everything that you have to do to play hockey, all of these young people are, than us. That's what happens when you grow up in this area with sheets of ice now, which has changed because of the Rock the Red era and Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, make
0: no mistake about it, that's why.
2: Something that Tariq El-Bashir has covered quite a bit throughout his career and talked a lot about over the years that Ovechkin impact. And he joins us right now on GND to talk about the ailing Capitals. He covers the team for the Athletic. Tark, before we get into the boys taking on water here and their inability to score, uh, it is fitting, I think, to bring this up with you. It's something you and I have talked about over the years off air a lot, I know. But your son was a really good youth hockey player and spent a lot of time uh, in buildings like the one I'm sitting in. Isn't it just incredible? I mean, we're watching these kids come in with their gear and play you know, by the dozens, these tournaments all day long at the St. James now. This just wasn't a thing before Ovechkin in this era in the D.C. market.
3: Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, you know, USA Hockey calls it the Ovechkin effect, and it's a real thing. Um, you go back to 2004 when, when Ovi was drafted, and then his first year, 05 06, you can draw a straight line between the time he hit televisions here in the D.C. area and the, um, the explosive growth of youth hockey um, in Maryland, Virginia, and D.C. And what you're seeing now is you're seeing the level of player is also getting better. Um, hockey is now attracting players that might have otherwise become point guards or quarterbacks. Maybe they are point guards or quarterbacks, but they also play hockey. And what you're seeing is these, these elite athletes who were – Now playing on these local hockey teams, they're going on and playing at the next level. They're playing junior hockey at a high level. They're going on to play at prep schools in New England. They're going on to play NCAA Division One hockey from this area, and you know it's not uh, totally unheard of. Um, You know we saw it in Pittsburgh uh, back in the 90s when when Lemieux and Jaromir Jagr were were winning cups. You can draw a straight line from from that time to a handful of NHL players that came out of Pittsburgh. So um, you know, hopefully what we'll see here in the near future is some of these kids who were a product of the Ovechkin effect start becoming real players at the pro level.
0: Well, Tarek, at the pro level, the Caps are struggling. They've made the postseason 14 of the last 15 years, eight straight, and we know about the Stanley Cup win in there. They've, they've gotten bounced on the first run of each of the last four seasons. They're outside right now, the, the playoffs looking in. Is this team good enough? Is this team just not playing well now? Is this
3: team good enough to
0: do it? Just kind of give me where we're at here.
3: Yeah, it's bleak, Danny. It, it really is. Um, you know, they got 23 games remaining. Um, they are now three spots out of a playoff berth. Uh, they've lost five games in regulation for, as far as I can tell, the first time in nine years. So it's been a long time since they've been this bad. And the last time they, they lost five games in regulation in a row, was 2013-14, and what was that? That was the one time during those 15-year span that you you mentioned that they missed the playoffs. Um, So, yeah, the pressure's on. You know, you never want to use the word must win. It's a cliche, and it really isn't true until you get to a a point in the season where you actually have to win. But these next three or four games for the Capitals are are paramount um, uh, for a number of reasons. You know, there's more and more teams getting between them and a playoff spot, and... (laughs) You know, when that happens, you're not only chasing points, you also have to count on other teams to struggle. And that's where it gets really dicey. But the other reason is the NHL's trade deadline is coming up on March 3rd. The Capitals have 10 unrestricted free agents. That's an unusually high number of free agents. Brian McClellan, the general manager, has never sold since he's been in charge of this team in uh, 2014. But if they don't turn things around here really quickly – this might be the first time in a long time, instead of adding players for a playoff push, the Capitals are going to be flipping veterans for prospects and picks.
2: Yeah, I want to get into that and the idea of selling and what that could look like with Tarek El Bashir of The Athletic in a moment. But just to give people a little perspective, right? Because for the diehard fans, they don't need this. But there are plenty of casual Caps fans listening who I think it just helps to provide the numbers. So. What is essentially at stake here is two wildcard spots, which is going to be the 7th and the 8th teams in in an 8-team field. The team right right now in 7th has 65 points. The team right now in 8th has 64 points. The Capitals have 62, okay? So they're right behind those teams. They're very much in the convo, and they have one game in hand over those teams. I think the bigger problem is there are two teams ahead of them, to Tarek's point, who aren't even in the playoffs, that are ninth and 10th. Again, 8 get in. The Caps are 11th. Who have played three fewer games than Washington. So I'm not as worried, say, about the Islanders and the Panthers as the Penguins have a chance for six points that the Caps won't have a chance for because they get to play three more games because they've played fewer games. Same with the Red Wings. The Sabres have played four fewer games than the Capitals, two points behind them. So I just give all that math to make – kind of the picture makes sense for people as they're driving around. That having now yeah. been said, how did we get here, Tarek?
3: Well, that's a great question, and it's multi-layered. Um, you know, in December, when this team was laying waste to the rest of the league, they went 11-2-2. Um, you know, they were on top of the world. They were They were talking about, you know, potentially challenging Carolina for the division or at least closing in on Carolina. And what happened after that was, uh, the secondary scoring that it really bullied the team in December just straight up disappeared. Um, uh, you know, Eric Gustafson came out of nowhere and scored a lot of goals. Um, uh, you know, Nick Dowd was also filling up the net that he got hurt. Um, and, and so that brings me to my next point, it's also injuries. I mean, there's only so much you can do uh, when you're faced with a type of injury challenges that this team has faced all year. You know, like I mentioned, Dowd was outstanding in December. He missed a lot of January. He just came back last game. Um, John Carlson is a big producer on the back end. I, I know, you know he can be, kind of become a whipping boy for fans because it seems like he's turning the puck over. Well, you know what? I think fans that are critical of John Carlson are now seeing what he actually brings to the table. When a player plays 24 minutes a night against top competition, you're going to turn the puck over every once in a while because the puck is always on your stick but he also generates offense from the back end. And that's something that has been missing uh, since he went out. You know, um, uh, also in the time frame where they kind of, you know, maybe lost some of their magic, lost some of their luster after December, the the, the Cats were also trying to reintegrate Tom Wilson and Nicholas Backstrom after they had missed the first half of the season with long-term injuries. You know, that disrupted, in my opinion, the chemistry a little bit. You're bringing in two big-minute players, two big personalities, To a team that it kind of figured it out without them but you know on paper they're better with them so now you get you got to bring them back and so you know maybe that was to to borrow a a star wars term it kind of created a disturbance in the force a little bit and something kind of got off filter there and they just haven't been the same team since since um that hot december they've looked more like the team that kind of muddled its way through october and november and so if we're being honest here. December starting to look like the outlier for this team. And what we've seen before and since might be what this group really is, which is, brings me to my final point, which is here over the next few days, assuming the Capitals you know, don't turn it around and just blow out the next three opponents and look like world beaters again, this might be an opportunity for management and for ownership to take a real hard, honest look at what they have and decide that maybe it is time to I don't want to say punt on the season because that's not the case, but start looking at the near-term future. Maybe start flipping some of these, these veterans on expiring contracts for prospects, picks, and young roster players that can help kickstart a retool on the fly. They're not going to do a tear-it-down rebuild. They promised Alex Ovechkin and Nicholas Saxon. That's not happening. Alex Ovechkin is not catching Wayne Gretzky if this is a bad team. He doesn't want that. Ownership doesn't want that. But they've got to do something – to get this team closer to the New York Rangers um, and the New Jersey Devils than they are right now. The Athletics' Tarek El-Bashir with us here on G&D. Thank
0: you for the Star Wars reference. It nurtures my soul. Uh, Tarek. you mentioned ownership here. Um, and the other team that Ted owns uh, in town is getting ready for the Ted Leons' Classic, which is the playing in game uh, or the little tournament. I mean, they're going to rename it in the NBA The Ted Leontes Classic, because that's where his teams are stuck in perpetuity. Will he let a a retool happen? Will he let anything other than just go for it and and see how it goes? It seems to me he doesn't like to prioritize for the future. Hasn't had good reason to with the hockey club, because the window's been open, but this isn't the same group anymore. Will he let a teardown
3: occur? I, I don't think you're going to see a, a burnt down to the ground rebuild. Uh, you know, as I was saying, I, I I feel like assurances were made to Alex Ovechkin, the most important player on the team, and to Nicholas Backstrom and John Carlson when they were negotiating their long-term extensions that they weren't going to go through what they did in 2004 when they traded away Yarmir Yager and. Um, uh, you know, a host of other – Peter Bondra and uh, Robert Lang. Remember remember that when they – that was literally oh, a yeah. fire sale. Yep. They're not doing that again. What they need to do is they need to try to execute what what is, you know, a, a, tricky, a tricky play. But that is to retool the roster, get younger, get faster, get hungrier um, by moving some of the, your older players who you might not be bringing back anyway – if it is as bleak as it appears, and, and the math looks as difficult as, as, as it does to me, maybe it is time to, you know, hit the reset button a little bit. Not a total tear it down because that's not necessary, but you do need to add, um, uh, you, you need to get younger, you need to get faster, and it wouldn't hurt if you brought in some, some, some players who maybe have something to prove. Um, and so I, that is something you can do. You know, if you go back just a few years, uh, St. Louis traded Kevin Shattenkirk, who you know was a one-time Capital at the deadline, got some um, got some assets in return, and um, ended up making the playoffs anyway. Didn't go anywhere, but two years later, they won the Stanley Cup. So the Rangers have also executed a a retool on the fly. It's not an easy thing to do, but it takes commitment, it takes forethought, and in my opinion, I feel like the Capitals are headed in that direction.
2: Tarek El-Bashir of The Athletic. Yeah, I get people tweeting me and, and hitting me up all the time on social media, Tarek, and they say you know, one version of, well, when are you guys going to start advocating for a teardown? And I don't even think they should do that. A, they're not going to, to your point, because of Ovi and Baki's deals and what they promised them, but I also don't think they need to. If Ovechkin's going to continue to play at the level he is, I think they can make some heady-savvy moves, like they've done with Dylan Strome, like they've done with... Uh, Sonny Milano, Milano yeah. is another example. I mean, Milano, you, you, yeah. you can find talent, right? And, and you, you have these guys now under contract. What I would do, though, to your point, is I would absolutely trade some expiring deals. I view it almost like what the Nats did, where, hey, if you're not bolted down moving forward, we're getting something for you. We're getting picks. We're getting prospects. So looking at some of those contracts, I'll just kind of go through the specifics, then I'll get your thoughts. I mean, you got Backstrom, Kuznetsov, and Oshie, all on the books for another couple of years with Ovi. Mantha, I would sell in a heartbeat on, but I don't think they can get anyone to take on 5.7 mil. It's been a really disappointing season for him. He's got a year left after this, as does Tom Wilson. But the free agents include Lars Eller. Lars Eller's probably not going to come back. I, I don't know what the market would be for him, but that's the kind of name we're talking about. I have interest in Garnet Hathaway returning. Uh, that fourth line with him in doubt has been fantastic. But he's a free agent. Connor Sherry. Is one of the hardest-playing guys on the team. I love everything about him. He's on an expiring deal. He would have some value, I think. Uh, Marcus Johansson's a UFA. And then pretty much every single defenseman on the team is a UFA, it would appear. Orlov, Jensen, Van Riemsdyk, uh, Gustafsson. I think all of those guys would have some value. So are you saying maybe of, of the names I just rattled off, right, That the Ellers and the Hathaways and Orlov, like, Something like that is what a sell off might look like with those guys?
3: Yeah, I I wouldn't say all of them, but if this team continues to struggle here over these next very critical games this week, you know, I I think McClellan's going to have his hands tied. I mean, at at some point, you know, if it looks like the math is just getting too hard, you know, going down swinging is is not the right move here. Um, And you're right, Lars Eller has a wealth of playoff experience. Some young team could use a third, fourth-line center who can win a face-off, and is shown, everyone here in D.C. knows, can score big goals in big moments. Um, Garnet Hathaway, you know, he's a fan favorite here in D.C., but at the same time, you can probably get a pretty price for him. You know, to a young team, let's say, like the Devils, who probably need a little bit of sandpaper, need a, a, a veteran player who's designed to... Um, uh, to, 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 to play for play in the playoffs. I mean, that's kind of what his game is, right? Um, Marcus Johansson, versatile player. He's another guy who could bring value to a playoff team. Dmitri Orlov is the big fish, right? I mean, um, I think the Capitals, from what I hear, they'd like to bring him back, but it's going to be tough to sign a 31-going-on 32-year-old player to an eight-year extension. Then you're kind of making the same mistake you made with some of your other older players, so, um, you know, Nick Jensen is another player that, uh, defenseman that I think would, would hold, some, hold some value to um, a playoff team looking to bolster its depth with another puck-moving defenseman. You know, Eric Gustafson, he's here for one year. He's been on five teams in five years. I like his game. He's done well. He makes $800,000. That's his cap hit. He's, the, he's literally the number one um, uh, most efficient defenseman in the league in terms of cost per point. Someone can use them. Can, you know, a player that you didn't spend a whole lot on, can you flip him for a prospect or a pick? Most likely it'll be a mid-round pick. So, you know, this is a good draft coming up this year. Um, uh, and then they'd be able, to,
2: at- to your point, if they reload that way, let's say, with some of what you're talking about, Like, it's not like they're bad for the next couple of years. You start next year in a better spot to try to run it back now. And with these final couple of years of Ovi, Baki, Oshie, and the core that's- of the cup winners... No, you're, you're in a pretty good spot. What about this, though? And Tariq Al-Bashir, who is more plugged in on the Caps than anybody in this town, joins us. You should read his work uh, on the Capitals if you're not already in the Athletic. Here's my billion-dollar question. Could you move Kuznetsov or Mantha without paying, like, something to do, without taking on some of the money? Or would they be willing to move either of those two guys? Because those are the big money guys that are under contract right. beyond this year. That to me, right. I would have interest trading.
3: Well, it depends on what the market is. I, I, I would think that Anthony Mantha's had a tough season. and He just got injured against the Red Wings last night. I think he'd be tough to to move for an asset right now at the deadline. You know, the market changes in the summer. Um, could you do something in the off season with with Mantha? Perhaps. If um, thats Kuznetsov, like you said, you know he's he's the big fish here. If if you really wanted to kickstart a move, you could probably get a decent amount from him. I, I don't think he – even though he hasn't had the, the greatest season, I don't think he's the type of player where you would have to sweeten the pot just to get rid of that cat hit. I, I think you could actually get a decent return for him. I know they investigated this a few years ago, decided, hey, we spent the last you – know, you know, the several years before he got here looking for a second-line center to play behind Nicholas Baxter. Now he's our first-line center. It, it, I, I don't think they really want to go through that again. I, I don't get the sense that he's a player they would consider moving, but um, I do think that you could probably get several nice pieces, and, which could really, you know, supercharge um, a, a retool on the fly. And sorry to jump around here, Grant, but you know another point we were making as we discussed these these free agents and and maybe um, you know flipping them for for picks, prospects, and young players. There's also some guys down in Hershey. You know, the, the capital prospect pipeline isn't highly thought of, but there are some players down there that eventually, that you spend first-round picks on, eventually they got to have somewhere to go.
2: Yeah, it'd be and nice to see them Conor at McMichael, some point, right?
3: Connor McMichael and Hendrix LaPierre, eventually you got to give them somewhere. To, you can't just keep re-signing your 32-year-old free agent. At uh-huh. some point, 22-year-old Connor McMichael and 20-year-old Hendrix LaPierre need somewhere to go. Um, Alexei Protoss needs to be a full-time NHL player here at some point. Um, uh, you know, Vincent Iorio, he's probably another year down the road. But, you know, at some point he's got to have a place to go. So, you know, when they're putting together this gigantic, you know, um, jigsaw puzzle, that's another thing that people don't usually talk about. Fans, I don't think fans talk about enough is you also have to sit, reserve some spots for, for your players to be promoted or graduated, as they say, from AHL Hershey. Or what's the point in drafting them to begin with, right? To our quick one before we let you jump. Coach Laviolette, give me a letter grade
0: for the job he's done this year. Right? We haven't really talked about him much.
3: You know, it's funny. I, I know he catches a lot of flack on, on social media. I, I, I see it all the time. But you look at the, not only the number of, of injuries this team has had to deal with, but you also look at the types of players that have been in and out of the lineup. I, I mean, I know they've taken a, a pretty hard turn in the wrong, wrong direction here over the past few weeks, but, you know, I, I letter grade. I, I would give him a B, B minus. I mean, this was such a difficult hand that he was dealt. I, I mean, I, I'm not sure a less experienced coach would have been able to even have them in the playoff conversation, given how many key injuries this team has de- dealt with this season and even previous seasons. And if you want to go back a little further, I thought he did a pretty good job of shepherding this team through, you know, some unprecedented. You know times in the world, right? With COVID and everything, it, you know he's kind of been dealt a raw hand in terms of um, uh, in, in terms of uh, injuries and, and personnel. Uh, you know that said, the big question here going forward, he's in the final year of a three-year deal. Is gonna you know we haven't talked about this yet. If you're talking about moving moving some of these veteran pieces and maybe going into a retool, is that something he wants to be a part of? Is that something that's a good fit for him? You know, over the course of his career, he's done a really good job. I, I think he does do a decent job developing players, but he, he he does a really good job of dealing with a room of, you know, late 20- and 30-year-olds. If this team gets a lot younger, you've got to maybe make a decision there, too. So there's a lot of really big decisions that are going to have to be made here um, over the next few months for this Capitals team.
2: That's a great point. Yeah, Brian McClellan has done a nice job, but – Man, will he have his hands full. And really, they're going to have money. They're going to have flexibility, versatility that they have not had in an offseason in years. So it's going to be fascinating, not just at the deadline, but really going into the hiatus after the postseason, whether they make it or not. Tarek, awesome. Thank you so much. A lot of good information there to chew on. We'll catch up with you probably after the season ends, but thank you.
3: Sounds good. Thanks, guys.
2: See you, buddy. Check him out in the athletic. Tarek El-Bashir with us. Here on, Grant and Danny, good deep dive on the Caps. I was there last night, Danny. Man, it was tough. You know, everybody was just waiting for them to battle back, get that win. They needed those two points. It's the kind of game for years. You're teetering on the wheels coming off, and they come out and they win 5-1, and they just don't have it right now.
0: It's just they, they, they're they looking for that gear. You know, like you're searching around to your right in the car for that extra little button or that extra little thing to, to hit the gas pedal, and it just isn't there right now. It's Obviously, missing Ovechkin is killer, but – Again, I, can't, I like Marcus Johansson just fine. Wonderful dude. I'm glad he's here. I can't have him be my second-leading goal scorer. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.